Welcome to Orla's Happy Hormones Podcast. I'm Orla, your resident tree-hugging, lemon-sucking, garlic-crushing hippie. Talking all things female health and wellness. I hope you enjoy. Hey, and welcome to episode 61 of Orla's Happy Hormones Podcast. And... Do I need to do a COVID slash lockdown update? I don't think so. Well, I'm not sure. For me anyway, I'm full swing back to normal, which is great. It's hard to believe that three months ago, all this, was it three months ago? March, April, May, June, July, four months ago. Wow, four months ago, this all kicked off. And out the other side of it now I know not fully I know there's still a lot of precautionary measures that we have to take and I know that we have to be mindful but looking back it's been a journey (laughs) oh it's been a journey and I remember thinking that if we had been given a timeline of look this is happening now by such a date things are going to be back to normal you'll be fine I think it probably would have been easier for not everyone for a lot of people people like myself people with control issues <laughs> again Covid was a massive lesson in, for me for letting go of control letting go of control and regaining my power I think that's something that I have really had to acknowledge is that I can let go of my control issues but know that I can also be in my power. That I am the master of my life. So though in the beginning I kept saying, fuck you, COVID. Now I'm saying thank you, COVID. It brought me down many, many roads. And brought me out. Still going through the roller coaster of ups and downs with... life lessons growth everything but I don't think that's a COVID thing I think it's a 2020 thing there seems to be a massive shift and awakening for so many people and not a big massive spiritual awakening awakening or anything but literally just self self-awareness self-reflection people are opening up and waking up to areas in their lives that they need to focus on and areas that they need to build on and then as well areas that they need to let go of and from talking to many different people it's, it seems to be a theme so it's no longer fuck you covid it's thank you covid i'm grateful for it in hindsight <laughs> but this week i'm doing another q a style podcast and or episode. I always say podcast. I'm doing another Q&A style episode. And I always say when I'm doing these. Because I love them. I love answering the questions that you send in. And I'm focusing on three questions today. The first one. Is my partner has. Erectile dysfunction. And I don't know what to do. Any advice for him. The next one. Is my last two periods. Have been so heavy. Like pouring out of me. Why is this? And then the third one, 
is I had a miscarriage last year and I can't seem to move past it. So the first question, my partner has erectile dysfunction and I don't know what to do. Any advice for him? This is kind of a two-part question. So really you're asking what is it that you can do because you're saying that you don't know what to do. And then the second part is any advice for him. So what is it that he can do? Knowledge is power here. When it comes to erectile dysfunction, it's not a clear cut and dry case. Many different factors are at play and it all really depends on your partner. Like what age is he? What's his lifestyle like? What's his diet like? What's his alcohol consumption like? What's his weight like? What's his sleep like? What's his blood pressure like? There are many different physiological factors when it comes to erectile dysfunction. It's the same vascular process used within the nervous system to create an erection. So it's it's not just the sexual function that we're looking at. We're looking at the vascular system, the cardiovascular system, but also the nervous system. That's why we're, we do have to look at the physical aspects of the likes of blood pressure, weight, if they're overweight, what their sleep is like. But then alongside looking at the psychological factors because of the nervous system. When it comes to the nervous system, when someone is classed as wiry or on edge or nervy, that's their nervous system is in overdrive. And yes, we're looking at hormones there again, so the likes of your your stress hormones, your cortisol, adrenaline, noradrenaline. So yes, it is all very physi- physiological, but a lot of it can be mental too. In men over the age of 45, it's typically more of a physiological response to the likes of any sort of hair conditions or again because of the cardiovascular system but then as well the diet weight alcohol consumption and sleep for men under 45 so anywhere between like 20 and 45 if there is any form of erectile dysfunction really what we're looking at now not all the time but predominantly are psychological factors so the psychological factors, the main points what we'd be looking at are the stress levels. What are the stress levels like? What's work like? What's the financial situation like? What's the home life like? What's your relationship like? Then also looking at the likes of self-worth and self-esteem. When men are stressed, they tend to have a higher sex drive. And this is literally all evolutionary. It's when some when a man is under stress, going back to times of plague and war and famine and all that, he the body's response would be, right, you're alive, so you're seed. But because there's psychological factors involved, that's hindering the actual process of the erection. And the reason for this, again, is because the nervous system and the vascular process, it's completely linked. So if he's under stress from work or financial situation or home life, that's going to be constantly playing on his mind. And then he's constantly in that fight or flight mode. So those stress hormones are circulating throughout the body continuously. 
and there is still an emotional link to sex for men i know it's, it is predominantly physiological but they do have an emotional attachment to sex also and what can happen with ed is that once it happens once if they get in their head about it that's another stress it can become a vicious cycle sex itself becomes a stressor now what i would suggest is actually having an open conversation about it an open honest conversation ask them not in the bedroom make sure you're outside of the bedroom but ask them is there stress in work is there money worries i would also and i know you may not like to hear this but i would also ask him is he happy within the relationship is something going on for him does he not feel like he can speak to you or does he feel there's pressure pressure to perform sexually also but also pressure to perform as a partner that male pressure of having to provide is there something within that area that he feels that he can't speak openly to you about then if it's the likes of self-worth and self-esteem again i don't know if he's overweight i don't know any of the the smaller details but does he have is he comfortable within his own body is he comfortable in the bedroom is he comfortable expressing himself sexually does he feel like he is able to satisfy you because for men not all men but a lot of men sexual satisfaction actually comes from satisfying their partners now again this isn't every man but it it is a lot of men men are inherently known for not opening up and talking about their innermost concerns or problems especially when it's got to do with a partner again i'm generalizing here this isn't all men and it isn't all relationships either it depends on what your relationship type is like but sitting down and having that conversation that pressure to perform it could be something as simple as that that it's become a vicious cycle in his head and sometimes if it happens once or twice and again it can be down to a small stress like work or something like that and a lot of women would tend to be asking is it me is it something i've done am i not doing it right are you not attracted to me anymore we tend to take things on and own the problem whereas in fact there may not be a problem at all he also may have just been tired a couple of times and then by asking the questions is there something wrong with me it becomes a vicious cycle in his head that he's afraid that he's letting you down it's the same as us like when you think of us women there are times when we do want to have sex but it's like the sahara desert down there so we know that there's nothing wrong we want it it's just because of the time of the month because we're tired because we're a little bit stressed the waterworks aren't working properly it's the same for men 
So sometimes it's just a matter of being okay with the fact that he's not able to get an erection. Not making a thing out of it. Talking about it later, not there in the moment, later, and ask him, is there anything that he wants to talk about? What I would recommend though is, if this is going on long term, going to the doctor, just getting the cardiovascular system checked, using foods that are going to nourish the nervous system, all your magnesium rich foods, so your pumpkin seeds, nuts, dark chocolate, shellfish, dark leafy greens, good quality proteins, fats, and reducing out a lot of inflammatory causing foods and reducing out a lot of sugar and alcohol predominantly. Alcohol is a killer for erections. So looking at those factors, but then do trying to sit down and have the conversation around it. I know it can be an awkward conversation, but sometimes the hardest conversations are the ones most worthwhile to have. But then asking yourself, what is it that this is triggering in you? And is this something that you can work on? Does it have to, are you tied emotionally to this? Do you feel that this is your fault or your problem? Or do you feel that it's an issue around you? Are you owning a problem that's not actually yours to own? So just being mindful around that. What I would suggest for you to do is to journal about how the erectile dysfunction is making you feel. Bring it back to you on a personal level. And whatever emotions come up, address them and work through them as they come up. And you can even talk to your partner about them. And you can tell them, this is how I'm feeling. It's not your fault. These are my feelings. I'm owning these feelings. But I want us to be able to work through all of this together. When you come at it as a team, it, it changes it completely. I heard someplace lately... Great partnerships are made in the mud. So you're in the mud right now. Work on it together. Come together as a team. And you can get through it. So I hope that helps. The second question that came in was, my last two periods have been so heavy, like pouring out of me. Why is this? Simple answer. Excess oestrogen. So flooding has all got to do with excess oestrogen but also excess prostaglandins so prostaglandins are a hormone like chemical that causes contractions within the uterus but also causes inflammation there's many different reasons for excess prostaglandins again you'd be looking at your inflammatory markers in the body if they're in excess it's your prostaglandins are high certain things will make them worse again sugar and alcohol specifically red wine i know i'm sorry I also gave up my red wine. It's It's been a process. <laughs> but also the excess oestrogen. Um, the reason for excess oestrogen, so many different reasons, so many different factors. Again, lifestyle, food choices, environmental factors. There's xenoestrogens in everything at the moment. Not at the moment, but all around us within our foods our animal products being given antibiotics and growth hormones then with our crops have been sprayed with herbicides and pesticides then even the contraceptive pill residue of that being left in the water supply 
that's all having an effect on us. So when you're looking at excess estrogen, what we really have to look at is balancing out the hormones. Now, I always speak about how the hormones, they're like a weighing scale. So it, if estrogen is high, progesterone is going to be low. If progesterone is high, estrogen is going to be low. Well, you can also have excess estrogen with a deficiency of progesterone. It's quite a complex one. <laughs> but to balance those levels, first you need to eliminate the xenoestrogens. So all those synthetic estrogens that are coming from the likes of food and environment. So reducing and cutting out the likes of all your processed foods, all your junk food, really. Now I am someone who's like, look, if if you can give up wheat and dairy and yeast and all that, fantastic, but it's extremely strict and rigid. Personally, I would predominantly, I predominantly prefer a paleo diet, but a good paleo diet that's rich in so many vegetables, root veggies, your sweet potato, carrots, parsnips, beetroot, turnip, all that jazz. They are a carb source, but it's just grains can have a really, not negative, it's just they can be really hard for our digestive systems. They are really hard to break down. But some grains are beneficial when it comes to excess estrogen. So they're like likes of oats because that has a hormone modulating effect, especially on estrogen. So I would be looking at retaining your oats if you can like have porridge or make porridge bread, things like that. And increasing your dark leafy greens. Again, this is for the detoxification pathways. We need our livers to be on point because it's the liver I know I say this a million one times you almost be sick of me saying this but it's the liver that break breaks down and excretes excess hormones from the system but then it's also the gut where we're metabolizing estrogen too so if there's any issues with the gut that's kind of your root cause so having to heal the gut while supporting the detoxification pathways those two go hand in hand so again getting rid of the xenoestrogens getting rid of the foods that are going to cause the problem and then looking at healing the gut because you can do an elimination diet all you want and then six weeks down the line you start eating the same things again and pro the old problems come back the reason for this is because you haven't actually healed the gut so you really need to look at that so healing the gut you're, you need foods that are rich in mucilage and gums things that are going to heal the the mucous membranes of the small intestine I always recommend slippery ant powder for anybody who has any sort of gut issues taking slippery ant powder every morning. Then also a good probiotic. So eliminate out the nasties. Heal the gut. Probiotics, slippery ant powder, all your root veggies and then start introducing pre and probiotic foods. The prebiotic foods, foods that are rich in polyphenols, all your, your dark coloured veg, so your, your beetroot and then all your berries. Your prebi prebiotics are going to feed the probiotics, but you need to make sure that you've got the balance of the good bacteria back up before you go in with the prebiotics, because you may only be feeding bad bacteria. Give yourself three weeks, eliminating out the crap, healing the gut prebiotics and then going forward it usually take about four months to have any long-term physiological effects 
but it is doable. But there are other herbs as well, so herbs to help heal the gut. The likes of philopendula, althea, licorice, plantain, they're all really good. But then herbs for balancing the hormones also. The likes of yarrow. Well, when I say yarrow is more so that it will help to reduce the blood flow because it's rich in tannins. But then ladies mantle, that's a hormone modulator, but it will also help to reduce that excess bleed. Again, when I talk about herbs and supplements, always speak to a healthcare practitioner before you start taking anything and always do research because anything that can have a physiological effect on the body can have so in a positive or a negative way and you want to make sure that you're you're doing it in the healthiest way for you, especially if you do have any health conditions or if you're on any sort of medication, always, always, always check with your healthcare provider before you start taking anything. But it is doable just to help balance the, the body out gut health, liver support, hormone balancing. So I hope that's helped. And then my third and final question was, I had a miscarriage last year and I can't seem to move past it. And first and foremost, I am really sorry because it's one of the hardest things any woman can go through. And secondly, you're not meant to just get over it. Or to just move past it. The grieving process takes as long as it takes. It's having to look at what is it that keeps going over and over in your head. Because it, it is different for every woman. When it comes to a miscarriage, it's it doesn't matter how far along you are in the pregnancy. It could be one, two, three, four weeks, months. And it can bring up an array of different emotions. For some women, pure despair. For other women, relief and guilt. And I know a lot of people out there are not going to like to hear that. But for some women, when they have a miscarriage, there is a sense of relief because they weren't ready or they weren't in the right circumstance for it. And with that comes guilt and shame. There's no need for there to be guilt and shame, but there can be. It's having to process those emotions themselves. For yourself, I'm not sure what it is that you're stuck in. Like I always say, I'm a breadcrumb follower and I like to join the dots. Sometimes I need a little bit more information so I can help get people there. But if you're someone who is stuck in despair, or if you're someone who is stuck in the relief, guilt, shame cycle, I think this next process will be beneficial for you, no matter which side of the fence that you're on, or even if you're standing on the fence, if there's anyone else listening. Set up a sacred space for yourself or go somewhere. Go someplace that you feel safe, someplace that feels cathartic, someplace where you feel held. Bring a notepad and a pen and write a letter to that baby. 
write a letter telling them how you feel, how you felt when you found out that you were pregnant, how you felt for the next days, weeks leading up to it, and how you felt when you had the miscarriage and after. Tell them that they were loved, if they were. Tell them that they were wanted, if they were. Tell them that even if you had some relief because of circumstances, that they were still loved. Write a letter to them as if they're sitting right there in front of you or as if you were holding them in your arms and you were talking directly to them and that they were going to hear everything that it is that you needed to say or that you need them to hear. Let yourself feel all the emotions that are going to come up because there will be a lot. There will be a lot of tears. There will be a lot of sadness. If that guilt and shame comes up, don't run from it, don't hide from it, sit with it. If you do have guilt and shame, if you feel like you need to apologise for having relief, then apologise. There's no judgement. The only person judging is yourself. So let go of the guilt and shame. or Feel it. Process it. Find what it is that you know will help you through it. Acknowledging it in itself is a huge thing. But write the letter. Tell them that they were loved and that they were wanted. It is very cathartic. Then you can either burn the letter to the universe, put it in a bottle and send it out to sea, or leave it on a rock under a beach. On a rock under a beach? <laughs> under a rock on a beach. And if someone finds it and reads it, and someone else will know your story. And that's okay. Face the sadness, face the guilt, face the relief, face the wanting. It's okay too. But knowing that there was love for that baby, that's that's what will help you move through it. And hold that love. You can keep that little soul with you, or the essence of that soul with you, throughout your life. You can go and you can get a chain with a pendant or a charm bracelet or something to acknowledge that that little soul was in you. And you can carry them with you. So that's this week's episode of World is Happy Hormones. I hope 
I've helped in answering your questions. If you have any more, please feel free to get on to me. And if you like this episode, also please feel free to comment, take a screenshot, tag me, whatever it is you want to do. (laughs) And for now, happy weekend and happy hormones.